Everything Comes From Something is an unoriginal podcast about unoriginality because everything truly does come from something. I'm one of your hosts, Isaac Ransom. I'm Cameron Tuttle. And we are so glad that you're here joining us, listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts, give us a five-star rating, and share the show with your friends and family. If you have a couple bucks to throw our way, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. And with no further ado, welcome to the show. Hold on just a second. I just, I really needed to clear out the taste of last week's episode just out of my mouth right now. <laughs> Good Lord. Having Tim Smith on the show, that was a lot of work. And I'm glad we threw him back out on the street. Oh, poor Tim Smith. Yeah, he how doesn't was... deserve that. <laughs> yes, he does. He definitely deserves it. <laughs> He'll be back, I'm sure, to irritate us. Yeah, but he made our logo. <laughs> you know, he can't be redeeming that that receipt for the rest of his life. Sure. I think it's I time so. we ask more of him. Wow, I don't know about that. <laughs> How was your break away from the show, Cameron? Oh, it was fine, I guess. No, it was pretty good. I went and saw Coco with my girlfriend. and um, we, That's in theaters still? It, no, we saw it at the SF Symphony, so they played with with the symphony that's pretty f- that's like that's something i've always wanted to do not for specifically coco but i've always wanted to see a film with some sort of symphony playing behind it i know they did that for star wars for a while and and that was like ooh, i want to do that yeah so um that was great i had never seen coco before so speaking of star wars cameron i was telling you that a rumor from before i saw an opinion piece saying that hayden christensen is for sure going to be in episode nine yeah that's dumb i don't I don't think so. <laughs> I, doubt, would, I doubt it. That I would make it. me so happy. Why? <laughs> Why? I don't know. Like something about those prequel films, they're just awful, but I grew up on them. So they, they have a little bit of like nostalgia oh, linked dear. to there. <laughs> Come on, well, before Force Awakens came out, Revenge of the Sith was the only Star Wars I ever got to see in theaters. And I thought mm, it was the yeah. last one I'd ever see. Yeah. that's No, that's true. I'm not saying those movies are good. They're no. just They're a part of my childhood yeah. at this point. I guess so. I mean, I just really, I heard a rumor that they had been testing eight different endings. Awesome. Um, they had been like, like audience testing. You know what I mean? Where yeah. they t- test eight different endings. That that just gives me absolutely no hope for this film. I, I, I'm, I don't know. It was like the last thing that I, I wanted to hear. The absolute last thing that I wanted to hear. Because my contention was always that they really had no idea where they were going with these movies and that just completely proves it to me it, it makes it makes it just uh, it frustrates me eight so much. endings yeah something like that it was like eight six different endings eight different endings i don't know that is really odd why 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 would they do that do you feel like disney's like delivering two counter opposite products between like marvel and star wars where marvel is this well thought out like train that kind of has this plan that it's sticking to and somehow despite some flaws it's sort of all come together and then you look at star wars and it's just like a total mess like i heard this story about my girlfriend as a kid i was at this house party the other night and she and her friends were just crazy as children and her parents were telling me this story about how they hung markers from a ceiling fan tied Mm -hmm. to strings and turned it on for like an hour 
And when the parents came back in the room, there were these marker uh, creases all across the wall, like spin art, all the way around the room. Yeah. Yeah, they don't own that house anymore. <laughs> but uh, is that what the Star Wars franchise is? I, I don't know, because I'm tempted to say that they they went into it with sort of similar philosophy that they did with, with the Marvel movies. But at this point, I'm not even sure, because I think... I think so many things have changed throughout the course of filming and throughout the course of the like the soft reception of some of these films has really I think affected the overall like we're not going to get any more standalone Star Wars films right um because of Solo and it's like partially that's fine with me cuz I didn't need that many <laughs> to begin with but also like I, I don't know where they're going. I don't know if they have a unified vision. Maybe they need a little time and they need to take a step back and just like come under a unified umbrella. They've sort of, it's weird because Star Wars has had this warped identity. It lost what it originally was sort of trying to be, which is just this solo adventure fantasy in space. And then like the recent ones, they've tried to recapture that and they've sort of stumbled with figuring out what is Star Wars? Is it big battles is it character writing clearly the character writing was a little fumbled in the last few star wars movies i like the force Awakens, so i don't really know and then the prequels i don't know what they were trying to be some sort of political thriller or something like that i mean we tried to discuss it once in one of those post shows right did we oh yeah where we were talking about how like it makes absolutely no sense that they um trade blockade the, li- yeah an like what, what is going on what is going on in those movies what's more political thrilling than star wars or politics or our modern political climate today <laughs> ladies and gentlemen welcome to episode 69 of everything comes from something my name is isaac ransom i'm cameron tuttle and we have a sexual bull of politics for you today i don't know what that means <laughs> don't worry about it i'm not referring a number so Today's episode is going to be talking about the liberal candidates running for Democratic candidates. Sorry, I was like, that didn't sound right (laughs) when I was saying it. As you can tell, we are quite educated. The DNC candidates for for the presidential nomination. 2020. How many more? Do you know how many more um, debates they have? I think they just, I think they have two more. They have one in December, and then I don't know after that. Oh. Did Did you watch the last couple i didn't watch the last couple i saw I, some highlight clips i watched the first two that where they had like two split up remember they had mm-hmm. like 20 they had like 10 <laughs> on one stage 10 on the other stage it was a mess um and then i watched the one after that and then there have been two more since then that i haven't watched um but yeah it's um it's kind of a mess actually it's kind of a mess there's a ton of candidates you were saying you were showing i was like oh there's like what eight or nine candidates like seven or eight a bunch of them have dropped out and then you and then you showed me that list and i was like oh my goodness there's so many i don't even know who half these people are so let me just set some context for you everything comes from something we jump from a bunch of different topics and if uh, politics is not your thing you can always skip over this episode it is free for you to listen to however you want but let me tell you why we wanted to do this episode Cameron and I come from a sort of an interesting political situation where we lean more conservative in an extremely democratic state. We're from California. 
And so it's always been interesting as we're going up to study politics and look at politics because a lot of our views sort of counteract what culture and our environment has been pushing us to believe. And when it comes to Democratic candidates, I think it can be easy for a lot of conservative people or people of, of a different belief when it comes to political ideas to just sort of write off what the other party's doing because that's not their concern. The only thing is, is they got to root for their team. And I think the thing Cameron and I have learned is as we are growing up and sort of exploring different political ideologies and whatnot, it's important to know both sides and what they're both rooting for and why they're rooting for those things. And so we hope that this commentary can sort of provide a new opinion or a fresh opinion or at least an entertaining opinion for you to listen to as we talk about some of the larger candidates. We're not going through every single one. We're hopefully going to say some names that you recognize and go through their belief systems, and we're going to be reading off some recent polling numbers as of, what's the date? November 9th. November 9th. Watch, tomorrow's going to, something yeah. wild is going to happen, and then... Always. That's the thing that drives me nuts about politics, and that's sort of the reason that I haven't been following it as aggressively as you have, Cameron, is because it's just like this drama circle. I, and, I, and I genuinely think that like most of our audience and, and most of the U.S. is a little tired oh, yeah, of definitely. political drama. I mean, it's just exhausting. Yeah. Genuinely, sometimes I'd rather hear about what's going on with the Kardashians than, <laughs> than, than like hear what's going on with politics. To me, it's the same thing. But what really interests, so funny. What interests me most about politics is the policy and how it's actually going to affect our individual lives. Because at the end of the day, you know, something I always talk about with people is it's like, Okay, you know, if I lean more conservatively, right, and I didn't like, you know, Obama being in office or something like that because he's a Democrat, how different was my life in the eight years that Obama was in office compared to the, what, almost four years that Trump has been in office now? Like, how different is it? Well, it's different for you because you were a child, so. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just. <laughs> I mean, for us, like, wh what, 2008, I was in sixth grade. So I don't really have that much context as far as like um what's what's like overall relevant. I mean I, I don't know. I think I think that's one of the, the nice things about our system, um, is that there there is gridlock for a purpose, you know? There's gridlock so that we are largely unaffected by people. Unless you live in San Francisco, um, who basically just vote away your rights every single Every single election. <laughs> well, you're coming off the cusp of a recent vote, right? Yeah, yeah. We we had a SF City had a um, like several ballot measures. One of them was to um, ban the sale of flavored tobacco, mm. um, and that passed with flying colors. I think it got eighty percent. Eighty percent. Can you believe that? Wow. Eighty percent of people think that you should not be able to smoke flavored tobacco. Nuts. It's nuts. Yeah, so they're well, not you gonna, a smoker, Cameron. Um, no, but it's it's more it's more the the rights thing, <laughs> right? Like I don't I don't jewel, I don't care about that. But it's like if I if I if I wanted to, I should be able to buy it. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think the argument in terms of smoking is it like it's like is the government keeping that stuff away from people going to keep them from using it? And secondly, no. I think the real question for most of these things, and when it comes to policy for me, is it's like, what's better, 
education or policy? Well, here, here's the other question about about just that one specifically is the reason that they're doing flavored tobacco is they want to keep it out of the hands of minors. Right. And they say that Juul is um, like expressly um, uh, advertise, yeah. advertising to, to minors. Right. Um, and so I, I, I understand that. I sympathize with that. But the the solution to that is not to not sell it to adults. It's to strictly enforce the law about selling to minors yeah. right like i don't i don't see why there would be any any problem with adults being able to buy i mean it's adults over 21 we remember california a couple of years ago um raised the smoking age to 21 which is a good, i think that's a good thing sure yeah whatever i mean it's but it's it's still like it's not like everybody's 18 year old friends are going to be um like you know, passing down their jewel or whatever, like to their brother. It's not, it's not like that. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Well, yeah, I don't know. I never understood the vaping thing. I never understood the smoking thing. I think our generation, we grew up with like sort of an anti-smoking sentiment, at least in California. There's not a lot of like classic cigarette smokers. I don't know. I've, I've, I've known more and more people who, um, who who don't who actually don't smoke regularly but will just smoke every now and then yeah. you know what i mean it's kind of weird it's like they don't like they don't chain smoke that that seemed to be well, like i think it's because old... everyone's like yeah this is bad for me yeah yeah sure, sure and then there was that whole eruption with e-cigarettes but but the other thing is e-cigarettes are are actually better for you than than smoking right but is anyone surprised that they're not that great for you either no, of like, course not. Everyone's like, "Oh, now of course not." But, studies are showing, of but, course. But is it is it better that you um, are getting away from cigarettes, which are much more dangerous than than vaping, or you know what I mean? Like, like I I just don't see I don't see how this is a helpful solution, and I don't see how it's San Francisco City right to say that we should not be buying and selling vaping products. I don't get it. I think this leads into sort of one of our bigger beliefs on everything comes from something, which is like the importance of local government yeah. and how that affects you. So I know we've done episodes in the past about local ballots or, or what's on the ballot for California specifically. And the, those things are really important. So, I mean, if there's anything we can encourage you for, like be involved in your local government, cause that's the stuff that's going to affect your day to day the most. Probably. Yeah. Not to say that the federal government isn't important and it's in the people's responsibility to sort of keep them in check. And I think that's why it's important to be educated on that stuff. So we're going to talk about these liberal candidates now. Cameron, do you want to talk about some polling updates? Let's get some numbers. Who's the up and runners? I have some beliefs here on a few of the well-known candidates so we can get an understanding of how the um, Democratic Party is sort of leaning on some ideas. Yeah, so... Um, I'm just on Real Clear Politics, uh, which has a really nice graphic. It's like the polling averages from, from I think, like 10 different polls um, throughout uh, from December of 2018, so the last year, right? Um, and Biden had always been polling high, um, even I think before he uh, before he announced his his run. I think he announced around May. June, something like that. I don't remember. I wouldn't know. Um, but yeah, so he he had always been pulling high in the in the high twenties, um, which I mean, which isn't like super high, but it's higher than most of the other candidates. 
Um, Sanders was the the immediate runner up uh, last year until um, about July. Uh, and in July, there was an interesting thing that happened where Sanders, Warren, and Harris, Kamala Harris, so Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, they all um, tied each other uh, on July 10th, about July 10th, mm. right? So they were all polling at 15%. Uh, Biden was still at 27%. And in fact, Biden's highest day was, um, looks like May 10th, May 10th or 11th. Um, where he was polling at like 41%, um, which is the highest anybody had, had been up to that point and still. Um, and so after that day where where everybody kind of condensed, the three big uh, runner-ups condensed, um, Harris has, or sorry, Warren has really um, come away with it in recent weeks. Um Sanders has been kind of averaging around 16, 17. He really hasn't moved much. Um, and and Kamala Harris has just absolutely tanked um, down to 4%. So what happened there? <laughs> um, I think people just don't like Kamala Harris. They see her as kind of um, a little bit disingenuous. I mean, I think I think these these sort of uh, flashpoints, if I'm not mistaken, are probably around the time of the debates. Um, and so you, you start to, when, as you start to see more and more um, people, it, like more and more of people, more and more of their views, uh, I think people's views on them start to, to settle. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Harris, I think, has been seen as um, someone who's who's a little bit disingenuous, a little bit flip flopping. Like I, I don't know if you remember, she had a scandal a while back where she said, um, she said something on the debate stage, and then the next day she basically had to take it back. Um, and so people people really didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think people don't trust her because she used to be a um a prosecutor and a district attorney locally, right? Yeah, San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. So, um, people see her as like profiting from, um, putting people in jail for, for nonviolent drug crimes. And, um, you know, they just see her as disingenuous. So her worst day was November 3rd, 3.5%. Wow. Um, who's currently in the lead? I think Joe Biden still, okay. still, Joe um, Biden. yeah, there was a point and this was October seventh uh, or so, where Biden and Warren were polling evenly, and a little bit Warren was a little bit up, like not even half a percent. Um, and then Biden has c- kind of come away with it. Um, he's about eight points ahead right now. So um, yeah, that's where we stand. Warren is at twenty. Um, Biden is at twenty-eight. Sanders is at seventeen. So interesting, interesting that Sanders is at 17 because he seems to be sort of one of those trendsetters in terms of politicians. He got a Twitch channel, right? What? Yeah. Bernie Sanders has a Twitch channel. I didn't know that. And he got one before Donald Trump did. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, So I don't know if I think I believe that. Is he like what is he streaming Overwatch or something? No, 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 no. They're streaming. um some of their How do events. you play this game? Events. I think they're 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 streaming their what are their political speech events? What are those I wanna see, I wanna see Bernie Sanders um rage quit 
but 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 I think that would be bad for his health. So I'm gonna suggest that he doesn't pick up <laughs> Overwatch. I'm gonna be honest here. I think that um, Bernie Sanders, or I, I just feel like the next politician who streams a video game is gonna have a lot of popularity. And I can see Andrew Yang doing that. I don't know. He just seems a little bit younger at heart. But. Yeah, he's definitely younger, and he's definitely more. Um, I guess in, he's a bit, he's a bit in tune with the with the internet culture. Yeah. But I I I don't think that really um, bleeds into real life, especially you- with especially in this race, um, because I think I think what you're seeing here, and this is just me projecting, so I could be totally wrong, but I think what you're seeing here is a lot of the um, middle class sort of. Um, the people who we were we were mentioning earlier is like people who are just kind of tired of politics, don't really want anything too crazy, don't want it, don't want Donald Trump, and are just kind of like over it at this point. Yeah. And that's why I think you're seeing Biden um, be somewhat successful, even though I mean I thought he was gonna gonna uh, steal away with it. You know, like from the from the get go, I, I I really thought he, um, he had the best chance, especially when he was polling at you know in the high thirties. He looked like he was he was untouchable, but um, I think what you're seeing is there's more support among um, the academic class and among you know the sort of um, the media the media class is really pushing Warren. Um, and they really like her as a candidate. Mm. So um, I think you see sort of normal, just your average Democrat liking Biden because there's the name recognition and he seems kind of normal. Um, like he doesn't seem like a, a nutso. Yeah. Um, and Warren, um, you, you're, you're getting the kind of flip side, the more um, academic intellectual class. So, yeah. Who who tends to be more on the far further left spe- side of the spectrum, right? Experimenting with more liberal policy. I think what's interesting about Biden is that he can staple himself onto his work with the Obama administration. And well, that's that's the only thing he could staple himself to. Right, right. But I think what's what's strong about that is Obama was really well liked just by most of America. I mean, he won twice, right? Sure. And so I know a lot of. Because we're conservative, we talk to usually a lot more conservative people. And they're like, well, I don't. I I end up to, well, I end up talking to conservative adults because is, you're because you're part of a church, so <laughs> I mean, yeah. it just makes sense. And I, they're I always don't... talking to me about how they're like, oh, you know, this is bad and this is good, but uh, Obama's administration was not that good. But it's like in in reality, a lot of people liked his administration. What is interesting though is because Biden is the the front runner. And because he's um, he's seen he's seen as sort of like the establishment Democrat, um, people like Warren and especially Harris. I don't I don't know if you remember in one of the first debates, Harris really tried to go after um, Biden a, a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I think you're seeing people uh, in like the lower end of the. Um, of the nomination candidates, I think you're seeing them try to attack Obama's legacy a little bit, um, which is interesting. I mean, it's interesting that you would do that. Um, 
I think people like Sanders and people like Warren are saying that Obama didn't go far enough as far as like Medicare for all and whatnot. You right. know what I mean? So, right. so there's a, there's a, t- I, I agree with you that they, um, Obama is very well liked. So they're kind of treading lightly, but that's their number one line of attack. You know what I mean? Is, is attacking Obama's legacy. And it's very weird because Obama has not endorsed um, Biden as a candidate. Mm. He hasn't endorsed anybody. Yeah. Um, and you got to wonder, is that... <laughs> I, I'm not sure why that is. Yeah. Um, it has to be that he doesn't trust Biden um, as a candidate, right? Like, there is there any other way? I mean, he, Biden said, oh, I didn't want him to, to endorse me. I wanted to do it all on my own and blah, blah, blah. It's like... That's who would know that? that that's not yeah, true. Like, that's that's obviously good. not true. <laughs> it's like who wouldn't want the endorsement of a past president? You're literally your running mate. Like yeah. <laughs> like it's not it, it just makes sense. It makes sense that Obama would endorse him. And I, it's it's it seems to me that um he is trying to step out of it as yeah. far as like He's, he's he is not trying to I mean if you're president for 8 years I figure after that you're like I'm done. Well no 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 <laughs> I don't I don't mean stepping out of politics cuz he's still involved he's still making speeches and whatnot obviously. Yeah. Um but he is um not inserting himself into this race Do which I think find is post presidency life is pretty good. Um well it was good for the Clintons. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Um well, apparently it was good for Bill. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. Well, and then and then Hillary, she went around and and got paid like millions of dollars to make speeches to to Wall Street and whatnot. So yeah, I sure. Mean, yeah, I'm sure it's not bad. It, Obama gets paid a lot for speeches and for book deals and you know, and he's gonna be on that Netflix show. I think. Really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I have no idea what I'm talking about. I don't think um I don't think it was very good for uh for W Bush. Mm. He was critiqued a lot because of what happened under his vice president too, right? Well, yeah, but but mostly the the two wars. Like he yeah. was mostly critiqued for the wars. Is he he was put in a difficult position though. I mean, I think I don't know. I know a lot of people that really hate George W. Bush. Um, but you think about like 9-11. With retrospect, it can be easy, I think, to critique his decisions and some of and some of the some of the policies he pushed. But it's like that was like an intense, tragic moment for the nation. Yeah, of course. And yeah, I I'm I mean I don't disagree. It's it's hard to it's hard to put yourself in those shoes. Um, of like what do you do at that point you know what I mean like what do you do when when, when you when you are vulnerable like that I'm always curious to know what it's going to be like 50 years from now looking back on some of these presidencies um, sort of like how's the history books going to remember like George W. Bush you know and probably not very well <laughs> yeah but I think 9-11 is sort of a significant moment in U.S. history. Yeah, yeah definitely. So his I, name is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. I, I'm a little bit more in, 
more well and his name is going to be there because literally there were two wars that followed him so right um i i'm a little bit more interested in seeing how the history turns um what what trump like the lens of trump how how people see oh, him yeah. through history i wonder you know it would be interesting in 20 years like i think you need more time than that really I, i'm talking like 50 years down the line like like um like jfk you know what i mean yeah like jfk um in our day is is ex- very loved for some reason even though he he has sort of he a was controversial not for, short presidency besides the assassination, like the he, way he got into office and Yeah, and and um I mean the Bay of Pigs was a was a disastrous move right. on his point. But the he the one thing that he did do was he he was able to defuse the um the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Um and pretty big. Yeah, which was huge. Um and he was the one who pushed for uh, the Civil Rights Act, um, even though it wasn't during his office. But right. he he was the he was the Democrat who kind of changed um, changed minds on that front. So, yeah, I just think it's going to be interesting looking back. You're right. In 50 years from now, at some of these presidents and being like, oh, they did this really well, and they totally failed at this. And I don't think you can have that retrospective honestly without that time. Right, yeah, to really look out and and also see like what comes out of the comes out of the weeds because what was that movie Vice all about? Yeah, um, Vice. Just sort of like the the behind the scenes of those two wars that that the uh, Bush administration got. Into. Well, it wasn't it wasn't about the wars. It was mostly about like the Patriot Act. Um, uh, wait, that has to do with privacy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it it was a it, that movie was nonsense. So I didn't watch I, the movie. I, I just I was it. curious about um the president or the vice president. What's his name? Dick Cheney. Cheney. Yeah. yeah. Fast, like fascinating, and scary too at the same time. Yeah, I I don't know because he's he's like really cartoonishly put, uh, portrayed in that movie. Well, um, I didn't see the movie. I'm not talking about the movie. I'm oh, just talking yeah. about sort of the things I was learning about. I listened to that um, Joe Rogan episode about who who is Edward that? Snowden. Yeah, that was like fascinating. Yeah, yeah, to to listen to. But that's a side tangent about privacy. I think if you're interested in sort of a discussion about privacy and the government's role in that, you can check out that podcast. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a very unique and interesting look. Although I do think. Um, I think Snowden, you have to take him a little bit with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, I kind of got that just listening to him. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I was like, this guy seems a tad like black and white for, uh, I don't know. There, there was just something he's like, this is my story and this is the truth. And it's like when you're saying this is the truth, this is the truth. It's also like, are you exploring the opposite side saying it's bull crap or or you know like you hear what i'm saying yeah yeah I, yeah i know what you're what's the litmus test i right. guess what i'm saying to, yeah. to the opinion i'm usually skeptical on most things political so yeah i mean me too yeah um let's get into the candidates views cameron okay. uh for these democratic runners but before that i wanted to ask you between joe biden oh i thought we were going to like an ad break or something and Man, was- <laughs> elizabeth warren <laughs> No, Cameron, we have no ads. I know, I know. 
We have no idea. Actually, we have an ad campaign for the uh, Trump administration. We want to read this <laughs> live. Um, only you can help. I, uh, you know what? To, Donald J. Trump win. I think uh, we would be terrible. I think we'd be terrible chills for Donald Trump because neither of us really like him. <laughs> he is a cartoon for sure. Yeah. I was saying that this is not a direct comparison, but he has some similar attributes to how I read into history with Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people look at Teddy Roosevelt and say, I remember when Robin Williams played him in Night at the Museum. <laughs> like, that's literally the only good thing that people remember about Teddy Roosevelt. He, he set up the national park system. Right, and and that too. But you, if you look at some of the political cartoons against him in his office, they're just vicious, man. And Teddy Roosevelt is, was like a wild nationalist and a um, a con a conquest guy. You know, like wasn't he taking those sections of of land in the name of the United States? Um, what, what was that called? No, no, um, that wasn't that wasn't him, was it? I think so. On Panama Canal. Big stick, ruling the world with the big stick. Oh, yeah, but that wasn't like... He wasn't like... Was he buying land? Or was no, he... he was taking it. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let me see. Teddy Roosevelt, Conquest. I still think we should buy Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> Imperialism. That's right. He was an imperialist. Uh, well, I mean... I don't know. Was he? Yeah. I thought I thought I felt like he was more was was he not more of an isolationist? No. Hmm. No. United States emerged in the 19th century with ambitious designs on global power through military might, territorial expansion and economic influence. The Spanish-American War began under the administration of William McKinley Roosevelt, um the hero from San Juan Hill. Uh, assistant secretary of the Navy, vice president and president was arguably the most visible and influential proponent of American imperialism at the turn of the century. Wow. All right. So he had a heavy emphasis on Navy and he was really involved in South American foreign policy. Well, to be fair, he was probably um, trying to protect against British imperialism, which was very strong at the time too. Well, it was an imperialistic race in the world at the time. Yeah, Yeah, of course. So... It's just, it's interesting because he is well-loved with the context of history now, but back then he was almost seen as like a big bully. Mm. Well, he was. Walk softly, but carry a large stick. Exactly. And so, I mean, it's interesting to look back at these parallels because you you look at the current administration. In some ways, I see Trump as a loudmouth bully that also like pushes to get what he wants. I mean, you look at the... The situation with China, I don't know. We don't know what the outturn of like the trade war is going to be. I don't know if is it even a full fledged trade war yet. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's basically deal pushing, but not in a imperialistic sense, but in a economic trade sense. So not exactly the same, but it's like you gotta remember history. You can't just watch Night at the Museum. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Hey, I told you you'd be entertained. Yeah. What a. I mean, sure. Anyway, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Who do you, who who would you rather see as president? I guess is the question, Cameron. I, I would rather see Joe Biden because um, I, I consider him to be more moderate than, than Elizabeth Warren. Um, 
and that's just my that would be that would be my my preference and and to be fair to Biden he's running on a campaign of essentially um a return to normalcy um sort of like let's let's uh you know oh i'm i'm old old joe you know i'm <laughs> i'm your 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 fun uncle you I'll know take he's, your kids out to hot chocolate yeah exactly yeah yeah that, this is the joe biden pledge <laughs> it'll take your kids out to hot chocolate. well but you know what i'm sure most of america would be f- like fully refreshed with something like that P- maybe, maybe maybe um twitter culture is strong man yeah i'm I'm tempted to say that people are, um, there's a, there's a need in the media and in the, um, sort of like, there's been, I'll just say there has been a Trump industry, right? And this is why we keep seeing him everywhere because there, because the industry, the media, that everything that's surrounding Trump, um, is... Uh, has seen a, an economic spike because of him. This is the other thing, right? You think about how much the media hates Donald Trump, but in reality, do they really hate him? This is what I'm asking. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, sure. They hate well, him. individuals in the media do. Yeah. Sure, okay, they hate him. But I'm asking, as far as the question is, the media has something to cover almost every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like they have constant material to work with. Sure, yeah. And that's what... <laughs> I think that's what you, you've you seen as, as far as, like... Um, it, it's one of the things why I think people have a general distrust for the media at that point. At this point, is because people are more and more tempted to um, to, like get things wrong about Trump because it's good for ratings. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, there's, I, I, I th- no, I think, I think you're, you're probably right about that. But I'm what I'm saying, saying, dude, I'm just saying the media should come out and say, Hey, we want Donald Trump to win again because <laughs> it is just the ratings, dude. Like we, we have something every single day we can sell at like, it's just insanity every day. Like this is great. I mean, yeah, I, 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 the, the, maybe they should. Maybe wouldn't they that be should. Funny. Wouldn't they, that be funny if, if they just CNN go on the stump out? for yeah? CNN comes up, <laughs> endorses Donald Trump. <laughs> Guys, we just we need another four years of just slamming him. That would be hilarious and self aware. To be honest, I think Trump would actually appreciate that <laughs> in, a, in a weird way. <laughs> I love you. All right, you do a good Trump impersonation. The fake news. I love the fake news. <laughs> Gives me everything. <laughs> um, All right, so Joe Biden, because he's a little bit more, what were you saying? He, he's moder- he's moderate, moderate in a certain way. Moderate, yeah. Um, however, I, I'm I'm less enthused about him. A- actually, what I said originally in 2016 was if it was if it was Donald Trump versus um, versus Joe Biden, I would have voted for Joe Biden at that point. Mm. Um, as it turns out. I didn't vote for either of them, um, and at 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 this point, I'm less enthused about a Joe Biden presidency, specifically because I think the Democratic Party, along with these candidates that I've been talking about, like Warren, like Sanders, um, 
and to some degree people who aren't in the race anymore like um what's that stupid guy's face um i don't know cameron i don't follow it as much as uh, you do. shoot uh what's his name um um, oh, I think I know Beto O'Rourke. Yes. Yeah, Beto. I, I actually saw. Yeah, that. yeah. I was yeah. like, I know that name, and he's dropped out. Really, he dropped out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he was pulling at like one percent. So it's not that surprising. But um, I think that sort of side of the Democratic Party has been um, has slipped a bit to the left. Um, which means the the center of the Democratic Party has also slipped a bit to the left. Um, and so with that, um, I, I don't think Biden can be successful at this point being the moderate candidate anymore. Mm. He, he can't be six. Maybe he can be successful in a general, but I, he can't be in the in the primary. Do you think and that- so? He'll have to say things that are um, more towards the side of Sanders and Warren than to to the center what do you think about biden winning over conservatives who hate donald trump um i think that'll probably be his angle once we get to if he's the nominee right but the the thing is i'm i'm unconvinced that he is polling high enough to be a clear victory right compared Um, with elizabeth warren with warren yeah and so it'll be interesting to see because i i always said the Smart thing to do if you were the Democrats was after 2016, you kind of have a huddle. You say, all right, there's obviously been something brewing um, on the Republican side of the aisle, something that we have not been privy to. How do we how do we get an angle in the the people who are caught in the middle who are not usually our fans but can be because they don't like donald trump you right. know what i mean exactly. there, there were if you remember back in 2016 there was a ton of people like that who were like i i don't know i i hate everybody <laughs> you yeah. know like no, just, that was like a that was a normal thing to hear amongst yeah. it was like a lesser of two evils conversation for both sides right yeah exactly exactly um and so what what it would have been smart for the Democrats to do is sort of pivot and become the 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 centrist we stand for democracy we stand for um for your rights we stand for you know against you know against Donald Trump basically yeah and and they could be the rock solid like we're the american um we're, we're the american party right yeah, essentially yeah. Uh, we're we're bringing everybody together, which I think if if Biden does make it past the primary, that that'll be his angle. Yeah, and and, and you saw this with his original campaign ad. Do you remember this? No. When he first um, when he first announced his original campaign ad had a bunch of shots of like, um, it it felt like a patriotic ad. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really smart. I was like, wow, he's he's actually trying to to gather that support that feels left in in the center you know yeah. that feels sort of out of things at this point i just wonder if that center still exists in america and i, and I, would I don't it, think it is i, I, I don't think it does yeah well, i know where the last one's left in the center i'm i'm yeah, I'm, yeah <laughs> no I, just I don't kidding know. you're red pilled you it, psycho i'm radical i'm, I'm <laughs> no I, let's get no, into I think the we, positions cameron well, well hold last on hold on, on. Last before, before we go to that 
Um, I think you, I think you've touched on something there. I'm not sure if there is that big of a center anymore. Um, and I think it's because I I think I think partially it's because both the Democrats and the Republicans have become so polarized, right? The and and I I think it might be the media's fault, but I actually think it's mostly the Democrats' fault um, because their reaction to Trump has not been. Um, we need like, to come together. Yeah, like cut the crap. Let's let's come together. You know, he's seeking to divide. Blah blah blah. Um, we're going to be the party of unity. Their reaction has been <laughs> build the bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. Like they've kind of gone off the rails. Um, and yeah, and I think I think maybe we'll even see that when we get to these party uh, these platform policies. So. Let's, Let's do it. transition. So for the candidates we've chosen, we've sort of picked and cho- chose like basically on relevancy, I think. Yeah. Uh, we have Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Andrew Yang, who Cameron and I like to follow because he's so entapped with internet culture. Cameron, you listen to him on, he's been on a couple different podcasts. Yeah, he shows. was on Joe Rogan. I listened to him yeah. on that. Interesting. I know he was also on the Ben Shapiro show. I listened to his interview with that Ben Shapiro is like very conservative so it was interesting to see a liberal candidate show up on a conservative show and just have like a real conversation I think it's a great interview too mm. um, because there's like a lot of respect and actually an exploration of policy ideas and so I think yeah. I he's gained my respect just in in the sense that he's open to having that conversation yeah and then Pete Buttigieg did I get it I think so nice. I don't know <laughs> Sweet. Let's start with capital punishment and death penalty. I'm going to mess up Judge over and over again, but I think I got it. I'm just thinking of judge. Speaking of judge, let's get into that justice. Oh, dear. Okay, so Biden is against the death penalty. So is Kamala Harris. So is Sanders. Uh, so is everyone, I guess. They're yeah. all against the death penalty, Cameron. How do you feel about that? Um, I, I mean, it's a... That's a that's a common position on on the Democratic side. I think there are crimes bad enough that people should be put to death for it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, but but that's not that. This is not like a a huge polarizing issue. You know what I mean? At mm-hmm. this point, it's like not. I don't think it's a huge thing in California. We haven't put someone to death in a very long time. Um, you know, I don't know. It it's not a it's not a huge thing I don't think, that's but that's the Democratic Party line. So for all the candidates listed, cash bail reform is something that they've been talking about in terms of the justice system. Kamala Harris and Andrew Yang are the only ones that think they need to reform or reduce it. Everyone else says get rid of cash bail. Cameron, being a conservative, how do you feel about cash bail reform? I don't know. I I really haven't thought about it. Sorry, I don't have any opinion. Well, what do you think? Do you think people should be able to be bailed out for cash? Uh, pro- maybe, probably. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm a little stuck on it as I'm thinking about it. I I don't know. I have no idea. I need to think about it more. I don't want to put a yes or no on it. All right. I'm going to skip some of these because they don't seem that important. Mm, yeah. Let's talk about private prisons for a second. Mm-hmm. All of the candidates so far seem to want to eliminate private prisons, Cameron. What's the issue with getting rid of private prisons? 
Um, well, it's mostly cost. The here, here's here's one theory on it, right? Um, there's the view that because because prisons are an apparatus of state enforcement, they should be um, state owned and funded, mm. right? Um, and so I can understand that I'm not like, but uh, it, this again is not like a huge huge issue for me. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, like I don't know if I don't know if it's a it's the best idea. Um, but again, it's not it's not something I've put a lot of thought into, personally. Okay. It's interesting. I studying economics. I'm. I feel like a private prison could be a good thing, and I think about it in terms of like private security, and like there's private security and there's the police force. So why wouldn't it work with a private prison and a in a public prison? You know what I mean? Well, ideally, in a in a um, uh, a liberal democratic society. Ideally, you'd want the the apparatus of the state to be enforcement, right? Yeah. So, so you, you would want to have to you you would have to tread lightly. On this, this. Is, this is what confuses me. What is a private prison? Like, I'm just trying to think about it. <laughs> like, is it just like a fancier prison? No, no, no. <laughs> it's not a fancy. Like, I don't prison. get it. Is it a contracted prison by the state? Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Because they own property, and right. then they use that property privately ran yeah as far as i'm aware again it's not something that i've done a lot of uh thinking about or research well, i'm into. doing the thinking right now that's why i'm a little confused well uh, maybe we should have more, more yeah maybe we shouldn't speak let's talk about something i do know about <laughs> uh joe biden's view on minimum wage he wants to raise it to 15 dollars uh oh, federally yeah uh, everybody everybody does everybody does on the democratic side of the aisle um not everyone Andrew Yang says he wants to leave minimum wages up to the states. Oh, wow. How nice. Good for local. Uh, Elizabeth Warren sides with the $15 federally. Uh, so does Sanders. And so does Kamala Harris. So, actually, Andrew Yang has one of the... He's, the like, the only one. <laughs> well, I don't know. By the way, I'm getting most of this information on the positions on Politico.com. They have a great uh, informative website that gives a breakdown of the candidate's thoughts and opinions on certain positions or their positions on certain issues it's not very th uh thorough but it is a good overview yeah um it says 19 candidates have similar views to raise the federal minimum wage to 15 dollars yeah. an hour isn't that nuts isn't that just absolutely nuts <laughs> 15 dollars an hour how could you <laughs> oh they want to bankrupt everybody in this Ooh, this is a country. good one. Hang on, I really, really, really like this this one. I'm I'm looking up some stuff on their their positions on college because we are college students. Actually, Cameron, you graduated. Yes. Um, let's see. There's a position on the cost of college. Buttigieg says that students should not have to take on debt. Andrew Yang states that college shouldn't be free. Um, Elizabeth Warren says it should be free. Sanders, of course, says it's free. Uh, and Kamala Harris says students shouldn't have to take on debt. And interestingly, Biden says that the first two years of college should be free. What are your thoughts on that, Cameron? 
Um, here's what I think about the first two years. I think that community colleges should be more free. And they already are so cheap. Because I went to community college. I did my GE at West Valley. Yeah. And it was like, what? Like 500 bucks a semester? That's insane compared <laughs> to what I'm paying at state. Yeah. yeah at yeah, state, it's sure. like, like, just go to community college, people. Like, it's so worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... And this is also... I can speak on this. I've been working since I'm fif- since I was 15 years old. Actually, almost to the date, I'm $200 off, never taking out a debt in college. I've worked, like, since I was in high school to make sure that I could pay for my own college because my parents looked me dead in the eye and said, you better start working because we're not paying for that. <laughs> and so I did it. I went through community college because it was cheap. I remember all my friends made fun of me. They said, wow, Isaac, you know... You have to stay here alone. And I had like two or three <laughs> friends that stayed with me at community college. I remember I would tell people, they say, where are you going to go to school? I said, community college. I did not apply to anywhere. I yeah, didn't want to yeah. go anywhere. I couldn't afford anywhere. I was like, I have to go to community college. Best decision I've made. I'm like debt free for my final semester of college. Yeah. I No, yeah. So I, it can still be done. That's what I'm saying. It can still be done. So the the problem that we've, that we, that we have at this point is... Um, college prices are going up at a rate faster than inflation. And why would that be, um, according to you, economic brain? In my mind, um, it's because there are uh, government subsidy loans um, that have been essentially, essentially boosting, artificially boosting the price of college. Uh, because because there's more essentially there's there's a willingness to pay more when you when you aren't funding it yourself you know what i mean well i think there's a couple factors to it um the first being is that the value of a high school diploma is nothing in today's culture especially in the bubble we live in uh college education is highly sought after the demand is higher than ever. Mm-hmm. And because there's a huge push to keep going to school, keep going to school, right? You want to finish school. A part of me is against that calling in some aspects. Yeah, me too. Um, for someone like my girlfriend, Jules, who is doing music, she felt a lot of stress and pressure from society saying, you need to go to school, you need to go to school. She wasted a year at West Valley doing nothing. Mm-hmm. She should not go to school. She should be working on her craft, which is songwriting and, and creating music. And guess what? The second she stopped doing it, the more opportunities were given to her through music and, yeah. and what she's working on that. So it's like, not everyone needs to go to school. That's the first thing you need. Uh, to do. No, I, I totally agree. And there are good alternative options when you're trying to pick up a trade that don't take four years, will take like six months or a year, you know, where you, you learn how to be an engineer or learn how to not, not an engineer, learn how to be a car mechanic or learn how to, you know, there are things like that. So my first point is that college has been placed at such a high demand yeah, but shouldn't that shouldn't that lower the price of college? You you would th- would it? Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Let me think about it for a second. Higher demand meaning no. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, I guess so. If there's if it because there's because higher demand and the supply hasn't scaled um which means there's the the price It's go- not has saying gone that up. new schools aren't being built. But if you just think about your local environment, how many new colleges have opened up in the last 20 years? Well, new college, there's a, there's almost a um, something against new colleges open up. 
you know what I mean? Like right. college is an institutional, um, there's something institutional about college. I don't understand how that works or how a college is formed, but it doesn't seem, at least in the short run, short run supply of colleges is limited and fixed. Right. Yeah, it is fixed. And yeah. so, if demand increases, there is no other option but to increase price as well. Right. So, but it, but it, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. Um, so the cost of college going up is no surprise, and I think the other thing you're getting at with the subsidies makes it easier for people to get inside of college, and well, it 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 creates that problem even even further because right. there's more supply. Uh, sorry, there's there's more students. Le- there's more students, um, meaning more demand, and um, the 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 debt is essentially readily available to anybody. You know what I mean? Like anybody can get a student loan, um, basically. And um, I mean, isn't that isn't that a little bit dangerous? You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know if there is a solution to this problem, as in like. A lot of people in our um, generation are are going to be saddled with with a certain amount of debt, right? A lot of these candidates are running on the idea of canceling some student debt, if not all, which is, uh, I don't know. Like I feel, I I feel strange about it. Um, do private universities have subsidized government school programs? Um, no, but, no. but you can get it. I think you can get a government loan from still for private universities. Yeah, I don't really know how it works. I mean, I was so against taking out a student loan and taking on debt. And I know not everybody has that same luxury. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I truly don't know how I feel about it all. I think school is one of the most frustrating institutions today because it's like I'm I'm close to getting my degree and for what right I'm gonna walk into a job and they're gonna say okay you learned all this stuff but you don't know anything we're gonna teach you everything you need to know within the first two months and yeah. then you'll be a functioning worker of our company the only thing that you did was spend money to get a certificate that we can trust that you can do a little bit of work yeah, yeah. and now let's do it you know unless you're prestiging into a PhD program out of a high-end university but even that is is all theoretical right like right even even if you have a phd it's because you've spent a lot of time writing about something that is essentially meaningless in a lot of ways you well know? it's sad you know like i'm i'm at a state school and you hear some of these professors who have phds and they talk about their life's work and one of my favorite teachers uh, his name is justin reitz great guy uh, we did an episode sort of inspired on his money and banking teaching. Incredibly smart dude. Talked about his monetary theory and why, like kind of what he's pursuing with the whole conversation around currency, fiat money, and, and, and cryptocurrency and that. Like that's his field of study. Mm-hmm. And he always goes away during the semester to these conventions to present like his recent findings with yeah. experimentation and all this stuff. And like there was this, I took his class in the spring. He said he came back from the convention and he presented his his recent findings uh, in front of this huge group of economists. And one of them just said, isn't this model based on something old that's been disproven? And he was like, yeah. 
Yeah, it has. And the rest of his presentation was basically just like no one cared. Mm. And I don't know. Like, there's that's just a side rant. I just feel like the education system is like so discouraging and sure, useless sure. in so many aspects. But whatever. A lot of these candidates want to cancel student debt. Hey, you know, if you got student debt, you better start praying that these people win because who knows? Maybe you can get off the hook. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about that because. Um, I think there are going to be some unintended consequences from, oh, from I definitely cance- agree. canceling student debt um, that I think are going to damage um, maybe everybody, probably everybody, but almost certainly people who, well, I don't know. I think there are some people who are going to benefit that from, from that at the expense of everybody else. I'll just say that. Like usual. When the government steps in. Wow. What? So, on elections, there are different opinions from the candidates. It seems that all of the ones we've been talking about are saying that unlimited spending should not be allowed in politics in terms of campaign financing. Um, Buttigieg thinks that the Electoral College should be eliminated. And so does Elizabeth Warren. Yes, so does Elizabeth Warren. And so does Bernie Sanders. So does Sanders, so does Harris, and Joe Biden has not said anything on it. Um, interesting, yeah. The Electoral College, I've heard a good argument for why it should exist. Um, I don't remember that argument, <laughs> but I think it's important to look up why we have the Electoral College before you think you should just get rid of it and do a populist vote. It's a check on states' rights. It, yes. it, it, it boosts smaller states. It allows smaller states to have more weight um, in, in choosing our um, executive. And for California. In, in, the, like, same, in the same way that, um, that the Senate does. You know what I mean? Like At this point, the Senate is um, slightly useless because it's not... Um, it's basically like the same thing as the House, except... So, so like the Senate is um, voted for by the population, but when it was originally formed, it was supposed to be the representation of the state itself, right? And so um, the the representatives chose the senators, um, and in that way, it wasn't tied to necessarily to um, to a vote; it was tied to. Um, sort of being a representative of the state itself. So so at this point, it's basically just like having um, ha- having having two versions of the House of Representatives. Um, but in in theory, what it's supposed to do is supposed to give give the state a representation, like a, a larger portion of the representation, no matter the size of the population. Mm. So yeah. and that's the same way that the electoral uh, electoral, uh, college works. So I think you can decide as an individual like where you stand on that. I think there's value in making sure that all states have a say. We come from California where it's like I think if that wasn't in place California's say would be huge. We're, it's a huge state. Yeah, we would dominate. It would be us in New York and we would dominate. Yeah. Which, I, which I don't think is right. I think I think the country's the country has a it needs to have a sense of unity that is really we don't have a sense of unity right now but it would get even worse if just california and new york dominated the rest of the country you know what i mean Mm. well put 
let's jump to green energy and environment. This is fascinating to me because just last semester I took a green energy and environment class and mm-hmm. I remember them talking about shutting down Diablo Canyon, which is a nuclear facility in California. No. <laughs> what? more nuclear (laughs) well there's like some anti-nuclear push but what's weird is that all these candidates stand for nuclear power development which is wait 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 do they yes i don't see that yes energy and environment joe biden supports development of new nuclear technologies as part of an effort to fight climate change Uh thank goodness kamala harris says the same bernie sanders wants to close down existing nuclear power reactors (sighs) if you don't know carbon carbon emissions from a nuclear power plant is like basically zero yeah um it's it's the it's the way of producing the most clean energy that we have available right now the most clean energy and at the lowest cost to human lives as well like it's the least dangerous per capita it is it is it is i wrote a whole i wrote a whole paper on hydropower i i could see maybe an argument for cost efficiency i think hydropower is like an incredible technology that's anti-carbon emission although some people argue that the building of concrete it produces so much carbon emission that it's not worth it but hydropower is a hundred percent efficient because all you have to do is open a latch and it spins that turbine with the water that falls down the dam and you have instant power the issue with hydropower is it's not scalable right capacity you can only hold as much as the lake holds and even if you charge a battery where you're going to start store that battery it's but it's this is the thing it's the same with it's the same with solar. It's the same with, no. with wind. No, because it, it is. it's it is. different. Solar is 100% on all the time, but only 23% efficient to our best right. solar yeah. technology. Okay, yeah, sure. Wind is not constant, but yeah. I guess you could argue the same with water because if you're running out of supplies. So the issue with hydro is capacity. So my paper that I wrote for my green energy environment class is that we just need to fix the capacity issue, right? But you can't because, because there's no way to scale... Um, I understand, but decommission of dams is not the solution, which is what, right, which right, is sure, what yeah. a lot, which is what California is doing actually. And I'm like, this is, doesn't make sense. They haven't built a dam in the U.S. since 1973, mm. which I think is a total failure on the part of the state because there's technologies that even use the the flow of a stream to produce energy from, mm. just with small turbines in the water. Yeah, and you know people are concerned with the fish but it's like we've even developed technology to help fish go upstream as well with hydropower so it's like to me this is a huge um oversight on on the part of the government because i'm i just don't think that they seem to care about hydropower in the way that it could really be utilized i think if we're talking about green energy it all plays together i agree you know solar wind hydro and nuclear, but the, I, but the thing is, there's there's absolutely the I find all of these people disingenuous on this issue, especially people like, well, I don't know, but, but Elizabeth Warren hasn't said anything about it, but Bernie Sanders, who wants to uh, to shut down all of nuclear power, I find that so disingenuous because there is no there is no way to combat climate change without nuclear power. It just it it, it doesn't happen. There's yeah. no way. Even even with hydropower, um, like I said, it's not as scalable as as nuclear. And nuclear is the most efficient and the least carbon emission and the safest. Like I don't understand why anybody would 
there are th- there's like so much fear against against nuclear there power, have been and it just three doesn't make sense major nuclear power incidents across the last 60 years approximately since nuclear power has been developed currently there are over 209 nuclear power plant facilities in the world yeah three have had an issue is nuclear dangerous yes okay the issue yeah, in the, Japan the issue in Japan was it was built on a fault line it wasn't even earth it wasn't the earthquake issue this is the thing the earthquake triggered the tsunami which got into the reactor and wasn't that like very like rare and totally like fluke it wasn't even just rare the earth the earthquake didn't affect the factory it was earthquake proof yeah the issue was is they had opened the factory two weeks early mm, mm. and they were two weeks out from completing tsunami proof mm. bad timing bad timing. bad timing idiots that's i mean like yeah. seriously i don't know why you would open a facility without safety regulation so when these candidates stand behind nuclear power innovation and safety they're right in standing behind that and and this is my opinion coming from studying this right you don't have to believe what i say as a matter of fact you can be a full solar person but i laugh and scoff at the 23 percent efficiency ha ha ha, (laughs) is what i say to that let's jump to the gun debate side of the thing the aisle what am i saying i don't know anyways it seems that all the candidates we've been talking about support a gun buyback program and in favor of universal background checks. But I think who really stands out with the discussion about guns is Andrew Yang. He supports this idea of doing like this gun licensing program. I guess six other candidates have a similar view, but none of the ones we've been talking about. Like a three-tiered system. I'm I'm not in favor of gun licenses generally. Um I think I don't know. It's 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 I'm not a fan of that. Uh but if there's a if there's a policy that most Americans can get on board with, I think it would be something like this where you have a system where um essentially like a first tier license you have to you have to go through a background check and a safety class and then um you and then there there's essentially higher levels um that you can get into that provide a, a, an increased um, level of difficulty and also an increased um, uh, risk assessment, I guess. Yeah, I think most people are for expanded background checks. I think that, you know, just personally, I want to own a gun because I think shooting at the range is cool. I think that someone should be able to protect their house. I mean, I'm, I don't have any faith in humanity. It's like, <laughs> I... If someone breaks into my house, I don't want to use a bat. Like, I'm I'm yeah. be terrified, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. I don't want someone breaking into my house. And so, it's like, there's an aspect. It's like, if I have a family in the future, I'm not going to buy a gun before that. You know, it's like, I'm going to be protecting the people that I care about. Mm. You know, if I have to go to jail for it, so be it, right? I just, like, I think that is an inherent right of the American Constitution. That's just part of it. Now... That doesn't mean I think people need AK forty sevens. You know? Like that's 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 a little ridiculous. But eh, I don't I, see why not. Yeah, I know, Cameron. You <laughs> red pilled psycho. Um I just yeah, I think that most people I mean there's more guns in the US than there are people, 
right? Yeah. So there is there is a, a culture of weapons in the U.S., and I think that making sure that everybody has them for the right reasons and, you know, they're registered and make uh, sure that they're not crazy, like, this is something that is, is valuable. I, I, I'm not necessarily in favor of registering. Um, and one of the reasons is I think there's a... Um, part of the the right of self-protection is self-protection against um against immediate threats like say someone break breaks into your house but also threats against against the government um and having a register is um i'm not, i'm not going to say it's a step in the direction towards tyranny but it certainly is um something that you you would keep an eye out for you know what i mean yeah if you i mean if you're going to talk about like full breakdown of society and dystopia i know that you're like it could happen right yeah sure you it gotta certainly be, could you got to be reasonable right you got to be it could it could happen prepared. call me stupid but a, a part of me is like yes it could happen if the government f- goes full tyranny are there still going to be guns out in the wild? Probably. Like, I mean, that's like just well, sort of... Well, no, no, no. But, but that's, that's what I mean is that, like, let's say a scenario happens. And this is this is like total hypothetical. Yeah, I understand yeah, no, this. No, no. Now we're just going off the rails. This is just like... Um, this is where 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 I think people have uh, sort of a, a mistrust of... Um, of like having a license or having like like a register, a gun register or something like that. Um, let's say there's a scenario where, um, in 50 years or whatever, um, a group of the population has to, um, you know, the, the government has broken down and it's tyrannical, um, and a group of the population has, has declared war against, against the government, you know, um, it would be much easier if the government was able to track where those guns were like track everybody who had those guns um and and easily uh target them you know what i mean yeah yeah so i think there is an importance to make sure that we have independence from the government for sure that's not what i'm trying to say but yeah i hear what you're saying listen we're at an hour 14 there's a lot more other issues. These are just some things I've been scrolling through. Interestingly, all or at least all the Democratic candidates we have been mentioning here, the the top runners, are in support of abortion with a few limits, if any. But Joe Biden actually stands with some limits, kind of looking at that side of jumping towards the independence. Um, yeah, the moderates. So. Yeah, some moderates. That's the right word. He also only says that uh, in terms of immigration, he is in favor for citizenship for the dreamers. Most candidates support that. Uh, A lot of the other candidates... To be honest, so was Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I know. A lot of of the candidates here listed want to get rid of support for funding of the wall. Makes sense. Donald Trump's name's all over that, so... Mm. Uh, looks like most of them are for decriminalizing uh, marijuana. Isn't that? Oh, it's legal in California. Uh, yeah, Kamala not... wants to legalize it. Uh, of course, Bernie does. 
Everybody's saying legalize. He's, he's smoking weed all the time. I know. <laughs> Did you watch Bernie on uh, on Joe Rogan? No, no, I didn't. Actually, I, I think I watched some of it. I watched about 30 minutes of it. I, I need to go back. To, it's been on my list. I've I've been meaning to go back to it, but I just got busy. Looks like all of them support slashing the defense budget uh, in the military. Actually, except for Joe Biden. Uh, he wants to boost defense budget. Wow. Uh, keep troops deployed. I'm telling you, he's going for that moderate position. And at least he's different than all these other candidates that we've been pointing out. Most of them seem to sort of stand in the same position. Um, actually, Buttigieg wants to boost it as well. Um, but he wants to bring troops home. So a little bit different there. Yeah. Taxes. Oh, geez. Okay. I'm trying to get quick here. Just to give you an understanding. Man. Andrew Yang has a lot on taxes. <laughs> He Does wants he? to increase capital gains tax rate, uh, create a value-added tax, and create taxes on financial trades for Wall Street. Hmm. I don't know about that. Well, he is... Because he, his big thing is the the freedom dividend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So he needs to pay for that. I, I actually... Here's the thing. I agree with... Um, Let's see. I I I would rather have a VAT tax than than an income tax. Mm. I think that's pro that's more um uh just to have a to have a VAT tax. It's also more scalable towards um uh you know people who are it's it's a it's a scalable tax because um people who are spending a lot of money on expensive things are going to pay more in the VAT. And people who are not, who don't have the income to spend a lot, um, are not going to be paying as much in the VAT. So, um, I I don't know. I I I would like a VAT tax rather than a um, uh, rather than an income tax. And in the same sense, I would like a uh, something like a freedom dividend or something like a um, U- UBI if it was a replacement for. Um, other forms of of welfare. It seems that Bernie Sanders stands for all taxes. <laughs> Is that quite surprising? A, quite a surprise. <laughs> a little bit shaken up. Wow. I, I really didn't see that coming. I never would have guessed. <laughs> you know what's crazy though? Crazy, crazy. Go back to, let's go back to... Andrew, just... uh, here's another thing. I want to jump to technology, but what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say... Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren on oil and gas drilling ban fracking everywhere. I think Sanders wants the same. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> that's nuts. Down to the military teeth. She's we like, go you back cannot, to the coal. You cannot frack in Russia, so we'll be deploying troops. What, what if it was? Yeah, like we're gonna. Yeah, we're national. gonna. We're gonna invade the Middle East again for oil. Let's do that. <laughs> that's Elizabeth Warren's plan. If you don't know, um. There's like this really interesting documentary. I think it's by the BBC or um, what's the other piece? PWC? No, not PWC. Uh, PBS. PBS. I think it's a PBS documentary about the shale war or the oil war between US, Russia, and Saudi Arabia. Mm. It's really fascinating with the invention of fracking, how the US beat out Saudi Arabia and Russia. 
Interesting. And now we're the the largest exporters Exporter of, of, oil. Yeah. of oil. So well, it's it's also really interesting because we've become um, almost oil independent. Yeah. Um, which is which is a great thing. First of all, it's a really great thing. Um, the like it's a, it's great that we're not beholden to to bad actors in the Middle East and bad actors amongst the world stage like Russia. Um, so it's great that we're oil independent and we can only be oil independent if we frack. <laughs> yes. Here's the other thing too. With green and uh, green technology expanding and with a push for nuclear energy, I think that we are going to begin to see demand for oil eventually drop within the next 50 years. I think that oh, yeah, I gasoline cars are going to slowly go downhill. So I think it's important, you know, even if you're like, I'm not a nationalist, I don't even care about U.S. It's kind of terrible that we would destroy Saudi Arabia's or Saudi Arabia's economy um, because they were so reliant on oil. Like this is actually a good thing for Saudi Arabia. And let me explain. Saudi Arabia was a oil dependent nation and they still are to a degree. But the recent president who most people don't like because he is well, because of this reason uh, is pushing for an expansion of an economy where he says we need to produce more than just oil because eventually, you know, oil is not going to be as as of in high of a demand. So I think it's good that Saudi Arabia is beginning to diversify in their output. It's not happening without tension. There's definitely tension in their nation. You know, the, the, the country loves oil and the riches that it brought. I think he, I think people also don't like him because didn't he kill that journalist? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but nevertheless, what I'm saying is that's a good thing for Saudi Arabia, even if it doesn't apparently seem good at first. Mm. So we need to get away from oil, especially if we care about um, the environment. I think, you know the carbon emissions of of gasoline cars and what like that. It's well, like, I'm in, I'm also interested in the um, there. There's like they're trying to carbon recycle now. Have you have you been following any of this or have you seen any of this? Did you talk about it in your class? No, I don't know. About they that. um they are trying to come up with a way of taking carbon from the from the atmosphere and recycling it into into um into solid carbon that's that's fascinating so um if that was the case i mean i think i think that's a that's a technology we should really be focusing on speaking of technology let's move on to that it seems that these uh candidates have a lot of split different views joe biden doesn't really say too much about because he's an old man yeah he doesn't understand what so he's like what is that instagram uh, tiktok do I need to get a TikTok account? Didn't he have like a like a Snapchat video or something? I don't know. Kamala Harris says that we need stricter disclosure on requirements for ads online. Okay. What? A little strange. Um, Weird. Bernie Sanders wants to break up tech competition and antitrust. Oh, gosh. Elizabeth Warren thinks I that CEOs should be fined or jailed over privacy flaps. She must really hate... <laughs> the Facebook CEO. Um, let's see. Andrew Yang thinks that users ha- should have property rights over their own data and tech giants should break themselves up. 
I guess he just expects them to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I, I think it's hilarious. As we're moving over to uh, trade, Joe Biden says, don't worry about China so much. That's his view on China. Okay. No, don't worry about China. <laughs> he doesn't think we should use tariffs to pressure other countries. And that's his final. I mean, there's some other things he says about trade, but I don't think they're overly interesting. Um, most people say that, or Kamala Harris says, don't use tariffs to pressure. Uh, Bernie Sanders says that he needs, for China, we should support a goal and change the approach. Mm. I'm sure there's more to it than that. But what? What does that even mean? I don't know. Politico is a little vague in yeah. some in some areas. So. Um. Yeah, he is actually think, for tar- you know taxes. Bernie Sanders says we should use tariffs to crack down on certain countries. Hmm. Yeah, that's why he. <laughs> that's why uh, a lot of the Bernie supporters originally jumped over. To, I mean, not a lot, but there was like a percentage of Bernie supporters that um, jumped over to um, to support Trump because they had very similar views on um, on trade, which I am not for taxing trade. So I. Am normally not for tariffs. However, I think China is kind of a special exception, mm. um, and it's something that I think we are going to see come to a head. Um, I think in the next fifteen years, probably China is going to be our um, number one geopolitical uh, uh, enemy, and uh, I think we're going to get into some hot water if things are not. Um, solved soon I think the development of China is rapid and their country is just expanding in a lot of power in terms of uh, like an economic sense but also like there's like this resurgence of the middle class breaking through but then there's like this communist regime that is like we are communist like at the end of the day we we like tattle in, in capitalistic ideas but they're they're still super strict. Actually, I, I I read something recently like China is reducing or or, or literally controlling game time for children. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Um, Which you know, it's kind of on the parents to make sure that their kids don't play that many video games. Not, but in, they're giving a micro Soviet Russia. You know, they're giving a microtransaction budget for kids weekly. Yeah, <laughs> you can only play so many hours on weekdays, and you, you can only play ninety minutes right a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, what if you're homesick? I, I think... I actually like to think of China more of, more as fascists than communists in the in the truest sense of the word. Um, because... So China has a... Um, has a hand in every, every, every large major business, right? In the same way that, that the fascists did. Um, they also have... Are very strict nationalists... Um, and they have an ex- expansionist doctrine. Um, so they want people who are, um, like th- they, they want to conquer Taiwan basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want to, they, they have, they have ties to around like countries around in the area. So I, I like to think of them more as, um, like actual, actual, like German style fascists <laughs> than, um, than communists. They're, they're more similar um, to to um, the Germans and the Italians than they are to like Soviet Russia. The Italians. I did a presentation about uh, Italian history in a food culture class. Yeah. Yeah, we had this presentation about having to give um, 
like a historical background before talking about the food. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to get into the history of Italy. And uh, then I read the history of Italy and I said, this is awesome. I think we did this a is, podcast This is it. awesomely depressing. That's right. We do have a, a, an a, uh, episode about it. And so I went in front of the entire class and said, here's the history of Italy. It's not all about love boats and beautiful vistas. Mm. It's about a war-destroyed country and economic failure. And everyone in my food culture class is looking at me like, dude, it's like, nine, <laughs> it's like nine o'clock. Can we like cook those cannolis yet? Or, <laughs> No, and it was, uh, it was pretty fun. Speaking of cooking the cannolis, it's time to wrap up. I'm done with this topic. I think, yeah, I mean, you can only take so many politics in a certain amount of time. That's I'm why I'm switching it to cannolis, dude. I'm done. We're done. That's D right. Take the gun, leave the cannoli. Good job. I don't know what it's you from The Godfather. That. Oh, I've never seen that movie. You should watch it. It's it's pretty good. I Ca like Goodfellas better. Cameron, though. do you want to talk at all about maybe some plans or not yet? Yeah, yeah. I'll say it now because, um, first of all, it's at the end of the episode. But second of all, it's going to hold me to it. Yeah. Um, I am going to start a, start to try to boost my um, YouTube channel. I'm going to um, start making some video essays. Um, it's going to be very, it's going to be movie focused. So. Your major. Are you going to yeah. rebrand your channel? Yes. Good. Yeah. Sick. Um. Yeah, and I think what what I'll do is I'll mirror it on on our channel um, for now, and and yeah, we'll go from there. I'm I'm really excited about some of the things that I'm working on. Like I literally brought out my old film textbooks, like my my big giant ones, and awesome. I've been I've been reading, and yeah, I've been really kind of getting into. Um, well, I'll just say my first video is going to be about why I think film criticism sucks right now. Um, and what I think I, what I, what I'm going to try to do to fix it. That's great. Sweet. So keep an eye out for that. We'll definitely be announcing it on social media and this show. If you made it to the end, Darren, um, <laughs> now, you know, and, uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed this political discussion. Hopefully you got some entertainment or some different views or learned some things. Our goal is never to offend you or whatever. However, I don't know. Like we don't. We just talk about these things because we find them interesting and, and I don't valuable. Think, I don't think this one was very offensive. In no. fact, probably the most offensive thing I said was that um, uh, I I love nuclear energy and we should frack more. Here's the thing. Oh, I did make a joke about Bernie Sanders' heart attack. So I'm sorry about that, Bernie. Ages. <laughs> you freaking ages. <laughs> Everything Comes From Something is currently 100% fan-funded by listeners like you. And we wanted to shout out our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you guys for supporting the show at the highest level. If you want to support Everything Comes From Something, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfspodcast, where you can give a couple bucks our way and get access to our exclusive monthly podcast that is released at the end of the month on the platform through an RSS feed. If you don't have a few dollars... Again, tell a friend, tell some family about the podcast. That is how a show like this grows, and you can give us a rating on iTunes. We appreciate you guys so much, and we will see you next week.